Hello and welcome to the Refresh Podcast, where we aim to take a deeper dive into our faith and extend the conversation beyond Sunday morning. I'm your host, Jared Cunningham. So there's this blog collection website called Medium that I visit from time to time. There are articles on a variety of topics from business and finance to music and politics to productivity and computer science. While digging around one day, I stumbled upon an article called There's Nothing Wrong with Being Ordinary by M. Julian. It piqued my curiosity, so I gave it a quick read through and this paragraph stood out to me. It says, American culture is a culture of big personality, of extremes, of gimmicks. You can be anything in America except ordinary. We admire ambition, praise egocentricity, and extol single-minded hard work. We are not only encouraged, but compelled to follow our dreams at all costs. We live in a world where we are marketed and groomed to be anything but ordinary or basic. The name of the game is Stand Out, Be Different. There are thousands of YouTube videos dedicated to coaching us on how to stand out as writers, teachers, students, employees, musicians, entrepreneurs, and the list doesn't end. There are countless articles on how to work harder to achieve your goals so your life appears to have meaning. Commercials and advertisements either try to convey how their product or service is different compared to their competition or how by using their product or service, we too can stand out in comparison to others. Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok are filled with users and are governed by algorithms that feed us what it finds important. Even within the church world, pastors and worship leaders are pushed to be more. Dress in a way that draws people. Play music that resonates with this group. Use these lighting and sound mixing techniques. Say these things this way. In other words, be anything but ordinary. Do more. Even when the more becomes ordinary, do even more. It's mind-boggling. However, M. Julian makes an important point about our pursuit of the extraordinary. The article goes on to say, In our constant striving for greater outward accomplishments and achievements, we often neglect our inward journey and development. We eschew our own peace of mind and mental and spiritual well-being in favor of performance and appearance. As I've said elsewhere, life isn't about how much we do or how much we get done, what we produce or even achieve. It is about how deeply we experience being in the world. People are looking for the experience of being alive. This experience of being alive is available to everyone, even, especially, the most ordinary. With this in mind, maybe it truly is okay to be ordinary. Furthermore, what about the good things that come out of the ordinary? There's plenty of examples of this in the Bible. Abraham was just an ordinary man until one day God spoke to him. Gideon was a simple man hiding from invaders when God called him to be a leader. Samuel doubted David at first, a mere shepherd, when he first saw him, but we know what he later became. All of the disciples were ordinary men with ordinary jobs, one a tax collector, a few being fishermen. Let's not forget about the heroic women of the Bible, like Ruth, Rahab, Deborah the Judge, Mary, and so many more. Evidence that extraordinary things can come from ordinary day-to-day -day people. 
Another well-known treasured hymn was given to us by two ordinary men. Thomas Obadiah Chisholm was born in a log cabin in Franklin, Kentucky in 1866. Though he lacked formal education, he showed high intelligence and was entrusted as a teacher at the age of 16 and as an associate editor for his hometown paper by the age of 21. Chisholm remained in Franklin until 1893, when he became a Christian, and with some persuasion moved to Louisville and became the editor of the Pentecostal Herald. In 1903, Chisholm became an ordained Methodist minister, but due to poor health, he only served a brief appointment in Scottsville, Kentucky. He eventually relocated to New Jersey, where he sold insurance until his retirement. Like the other poets mentioned in this series so far, Chisholm also wrote a lot. He is credited with writing over 1,200 poems, with over 800 of them being published. A few of these poems were sent to Reverend William M. Runyon. Runyon, another ordained Methodist minister who served in Kansas and Arkansas, was a musician. He served with the Moody Bible Institute and the Hope Publishing Company. When talking about the hymn, Runyon had this to say. This particular poem held such appeal that I prayed most earnestly that my tune might carry over its message in a worthy way. And the subsequent history of its use indicates that God answered prayer. Great as Thy Faithfulness was first published in 1923, and its popularity has only grown since. Chisholm, who, according to many sources, once described himself as an old shoe, had this to say. My income has not been large at any time due to impaired health in the earlier years, which has followed me on until now. Although I must not fail to record here the unfailing faithfulness of a covenant-keeping God, and he has given me many wonderful displays of his providing care, for which I am filled with astonishing gratefulness. Chisholm's astonishing gratefulness and Runyon's earnest desire to carry over that message reverberate through this hymn. Each verse shows God's faithfulness in a distinct way. In verse 1, Chisholm sets the stage, giving us a clear picture of who God is, a God who does not turn away from us, a God who is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. Thou changest not thy compassions, they fail not. As thou hast been, thou forever wilt be. In verse 2, Chisholm expands on to creation itself, how the earth and universe both serve as witnesses to the faithfulness of God. They all move under God's direction without any need or support from us. Summer and winter, in springtime and harvest, sun, moon, and stars join with all nature in manifold witness to thy great faithfulness, mercy, and love. Lastly, in verse 3, we see God's faithfulness at work in us, through us, and for us, always and assuringly providing strength for today and bright hopes for tomorrow. The chorus once again ties everything together and serves as both our response to God's faithfulness and our testimony to others. In this song, we recognize a God whose faithfulness never ceases to provide and amaze, saying, All I have needed, thy hand hath provided. Great is thy faithfulness, Lord, unto me. 
From two ordinary, everyday people, we were given one of the most treasured hymns in history. People whose greatest achievement from our standpoint is penning this timeless hymn. In the back of his mind, Thomas Chisholm may have had James 1.17 in mind. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. As Pastor Brian has pointed out in a previous sermon series, in the Lord's Prayer, when we say, give us this day our daily bread, we are not asking God to fulfill our deepest wishes, but to give us what we truly need, what we actually require to keep going. Looking at the life of Thomas Chisholm and William Runyon, you get the idea that they understood this wholeheartedly. Because of their life experience and what God had done for them, they were able to create a hymn that matched their spiritual journey. A hymn based on their gratefulness for God's provision for their basic needs. Expanding on these words from Lamentations 3, 22 through 23. Because of the Lord's faithful love, we do not perish. For his mercies never end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness.